Hello and welcome along to G'day GA brought to you in association with O'Neill's International Sportswear, the choice of champions. Please visit O'Neill's.com for all the latest offers. Well, I'm delighted to be back here this evening in Shawnee O'Leary's house in Bentley East. Shawnee, thanks for having us. No problem, lads. You're very welcome. Thanks for coming. He started off well tonight with a nice pot of tea and a selection of chocolate biscuits, mint slices and how were the other ones, Shawnee? Tim Tams. Uh, I think it was Tim Tams, yeah, but they were gone by the time I had my tea made, so I don't know who, which one of you took all the Tim Tams. But that was, gone, no, that was Giggles, so that's a good segue into Giggles. Giggles, welcome back, we missed you last week. Thanks, Dad, I said I better get back quick before Mulhall takes my spot. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are very happy with Mulhall being on the last couple of weeks. Um, he's brought a different dimension, I think, to it, but we're delighted to have you back. And in bigger news, Giggles Corner returns today. It does today, I've done a little bit of homework It'll generate a bit of debate amongst ourselves, I'm sure, and I'm sure hopefully amongst the listeners as well. Yeah, no, it's great to have you back, Giggles. Thanks for for coming along tonight. So we'll start off with just a couple of tweets that we got in from last week's show. Um, First up, a tweet in from Parik Neary at Dirty Miss Neary. Cracker again from the lads. Poor old Muller will be under pressure for the summer with only three months off. (laughs) Yeah, John was very interested last week talking about days off and complaining when he's facing into a nice... 90 days off now, so I hope you're enjoying that, John. I believe that starts this week. Also got a tweet in from Tom Murphy at Tom underscore Murphy 32. Another ec- excellent episode from Acadie GA, including Monster Championship and Batterman GA blog. Check it out. Thanks, Tom, and great work with the blog there. Keep it up. Um, we also got a private mail in from Richie in Kilkenny. Um, what a breath of fresh air John Mulhall has been to the Kadea GA podcast. No ego, no deleted, deluded views on his own county, and most important, very open to being objective on subject matters in hand. Hopefully he's a permanent fixture going forward, Richie Inkelkenny. Very good. So yeah, John has been great, and look, we're hoping to get him on again as the summer progresses. We're also working on a couple of other guests from a few other counties, so stay tuned for more news on that. So look, we have got a packed show this evening. First up, we're going to look at the Munster Championship, I suppose, where we stand um, facing into into the third weekend third weekend third weekend in Munster this weekend and the fourth weekend in Leinster um, we've got Giggles Corner and then we'll finish off with oh, there is a Leinster Championship as well there is there is yeah right. yeah I know you're not following that but a lot of the hurling faithful are um, we finish off with a, a real I suppose special thing that's coming up here in Australia in, in Sydney in November which is this, the Magnus Sydney Irish Festival I was delighted to speak with Paul Sargent who is the main man I suppose in putting on that event um, which the feature of it is Kilkenny are playing Galway in a full 15 aside hurling match so we sat down with Paul earlier in the week to give us the insight into that so it's a very very exciting time so we, we'll have a listen to that as well so coming up first anyway Munster and where we're up to Okay, guys, we're facing into the third weekend of Munster. 
quick look at the table from one to five. Bear in mind that not everyone has played the same number of games that we have. Cork on top, Limerick second, Clare third, Tipperary fourth, and Waterford fifth. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've had our we have had our predictor competition, which we've had lots and lots of entries. I don't think anyone will have that as the five at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's it's been so intriguing two weeks in already. I suppose um, the first two games you had Limerick beating Tip, and then you had Cork beating Clare, and then the weekend just gone turned things on its head as well. And I think the, the kind of two key highlights were the game of two halves, I suppose, and Watford's just I suppose misfortune, meltdown, catastrophe, whatever you want to call it. It's it looks like a, f- a four horse race already, doesn't it? Yeah, and it was just while you're on Watford there, I heard Dan Shannon on off the ball during the week. Like, if I actually feel so much for them, like to look back on that game, missing the two boys coming into it, and to lose the players at the lost, yeah. and then for Kevin Moore to get sent off. I think you're right. I think what we like Watford, like who knows, it could turn up a miraculous performance on Sunday, but to lose eight of your starting fifteen yeah. in the space of a week. It's not looking good from Giggles. Yeah, I think I think I mean yeah, you would feel sorry for Waterford. I mean, it was already you know, I got guys coming back from an All Ireland loss last year, and you know things, you know, weren't going with them from the start with the boys going off for the year and that, and wondering where they're going to get the forwards from, and then start losing all these guys again, and you got Gleeson down before the game, or Manny before the game, like and then to get those injuries, you could not script that. Like, there's no way. Any team could could, could um, sustain the amount of injuries in one game. Like there's no way a Kilkenny or a Tipperary or any of the, any or Galway or any of them teams will be able to sustain that and and be able to carry and on and, and be competitive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 unf- and it's unfortunate too that like I guess the injuries that they got in particular, Tyg de Burka uh, and uh, Dara Fives and Barry Coughlin are all long term injuries. Like they're not going to be back before the end of the Munster Championship. Those three guys. We don't know what the kind of story is with Austin and with Paddy Mahoney. Maybe you have those two guys back. Obviously, then Austin would slot in at centre back instead of Tyg. You'd have Mahoney back in the forwards. Do you know the, the the thing to think about is I suppose Jarlock Nahan was right in the Tipperary obituary at halftime in the Cork game, and they suddenly got a gust of win. But you'd wonder how much of that had to do with uh, maybe a younger Cork team going to sleep, thinking the game was in the bag, drinking cans of coke at halftime. You know, thinking they were out the gate. The next thing couldn't turn turn the tide once it went against them so it'll be interesting just to see what water team turn up next week because god i'm sure there's they're, they're raiding the county for more players as it stands at the moment but it'll also be interesting to see our tipperary the real deal uh after their second half performance and can they put in a performance that'll you know people expect them to be water by 10 or 15 points now this, this coming weekend yeah look i think tipperary really went to the well on sunday like you know i think they were playing for pride in the jersey more than anything else in that second half and they eked out that result and like they deserved that result in that second half performance but still in saying that cork stopped hurling in that second half now you could say a tipperary up to intensity but tipperary were like a shadow of themselves in that first half like at home in turles under serious pressure yeah. and they, were, they didn't look up for it no. you know what i mean and, and it comes down to and you can say even looking just to bring in quickly to Kilkenny and Galway game where Tipperary were losing was in the half forward line and non-stop Cork half back line hitting ball under no pressure yeah. and working the ball up through the channels then hit into the diagonal and Galway did the same to Kilkenny they shut down Kilkenny's half forward line and dominate from there and that, like that's that was their platform to launch and like they, they rejig things I suppose at half time 
but I reckon like if no, no McGrath kind of had a game that Shefflin had back in the 2012 All-Ireland Final yeah. against Gallagher where he just grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck and said look right I'm taking this on I'm, I'm yeah. going to lead here yeah. if they didn't have no McGrath on if he hadn't stood up they wouldn't have got back in, in contention with Cork I don't think and to be fair I'd say if they didn't have John McGrath just as, as, just as much as Noel McGrath they probably wouldn't have won because John McGrath was just absolutely phenomenal in the second half um, yes I do think that Cork probably did go asleep a bit but I also think Tip rallied so much that their momentum could have actually put them over the line and actually Cork like could have could have been defeated on uh, Sunday and Tip could have run away with all the points but um, I st- I'm still very optimistic about Cork like what they can produce they still rallied towards the end went up three points and could have well have lost it in the end but like the they still had that. They still had that kind of energy and and get up and go. Once Tipperary had all that momentum, they were able to plug over a few, a few scores at vital times when the pressure was really really on. Like when the situation was very tight, there was no space around the place, and um, they were still able to find scores, which is a you know a positive thing. And I, I you know a lot of people were saying, at the start of the week, you know, Cork threw it away and Cork lost nine point lead. Like, but I mean, you see all games. Team the other team always gets a, a bit of momentum. For a for a period of the game, it's what you do with that momentum and how you deal with it. I mean, I it probably was for the whole second half. So that tip were on top of it. I like don't this, think so. they came back from there a nine point. Yes, they did. But deficit, like, Johnny. You put the, with the last few minutes to go, Cork went up three points. They had it. They had three points in a row. It was a level game. They were three points in a row. Yeah. So they had their ascendancy there. But that tip yeah. came back again. So but I, what I think what happened with Cork though, in the, in, the, in the first half, Everton went for them. Second half, mm. they, they coughed up a couple of balls that they wouldn't have coughed off, coughed up in the first half. Now, yeah, you, could put, was, you could put that down to Tipperary up in their intensity, but they spilled balls that they didn't need to spill, and those resulted in scores. A lot of sharp passing that they got, you know, yeah. they were intercepted as well by Tipperary. It didn't look great. There was one in particular from the number two, what's his name, the really young one. Who's been fantastic. Who, who for was brilliant. Oh, yeah, and I'm not talking about the one where he showed it at the end now, but in the middle of the second half, he tried a, a short pass into the middle yeah. to a centre back and yeah. was intercepted. It was an easy point again. And it was just those. And the draw and the levelling points as well. He went to pick up the ball about three times oh, yeah. um, no. down one hand, you know. <laughs> like at, at, on the flip side, I think it'd be remiss of us not to talk about the sa- save Anthony Nash made. Yeah. Like that was one of the Phenomenal. best saves I've ever seen in hurling. Like I, I go as far as saying that the power John Bubbles O'Dwyer gets in his strike in general, yeah. he met it cleanly from inside the 14 yard line, I'd imagine, or just on the 14 yard line, rising off the ground. And it was into the corner, like it wasn't straight at him. It was, it was a phenomenal save. And, and what I loved about our save was that he turned it around the post. Oh yeah, yeah. Like whatever about, I just stop it and the forward gets onto a rebound. He was able to save it and de- deflect it around. Like, Whereas the clear goalie had an easier shot to save and tapped it straight down into Morris was waiting there to, ba- to to bury it. Like yeah, it was, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Look, uh, look, I think still like Tipperary, they got a point. They're still in the hunt. Technically, if they win their next. Two, um, games. two games they probably would be guaranteed third at a minimum if they They'd were probably get to the Munster final if they won their last yeah, two games yeah if they won their last two games a bit of a mental challenge all coming up again the next day like because everyone has water for written off now at this stage like and yeah. Tip you know have got this ascendancy back or they've got they got they got a bit of edge back as well in their game so Waterford at full strength I'd, I would fancy a turnover but Waterford yeah, with half a team that, I, I think would be up against the it the flip side as well like when you think oh, you should be beating a team by 20 points normally it doesn't go your way like that so yeah. I, I would I would imagine Waterford Dermot McGrath Dan and the lads will get together and they'll put a plan in place absolutely no doubt they'll have a team and a game plan they may not be able to play the sweeper 
they may not because they won't have the luxury of forwards who can score freely up front they'll probably start Stephen Bennett inside with Morris and uh, Devine hopefully Austin Gleeson is back Mahoney is back they'll be missing more in the midfield will Brick have enough for 60 minutes probably not but on the flip side Seamus Callan is not fit you could clearly no. see that yeah. in fairness to the guy he ran his hole off for the whole second half and that was the intensity that maybe created the space for Callan and Jason Ford cannot play in the same full forward line together we know that now they're the exact same type of player they break the exact same way and they get in each other's way and Jason Ford I would say scored a goal from playing that's it and Seamus Callan got a, a handy point from playing that, that was it Like so the two marquee rusty, full yeah. forwards in Tipperary at the moment outside the two McGraths there's not much there John Bubba the Dwyer is not fit he's probably the riskiest hurler in Ireland but you can see he's definitely mm. carrying poundage there and he's not moving <laughs> around the ground he got blocked down two very easy blockdowns. you wouldn't see it in, a, in, a, in an intermediate club game and they're, they're, it's, it's not all rosy and tips so I, I think it'll be they should like tips should turn up and beat Waterford by 10 points but I reckon it could be a tighter affair yeah, with I think a so bit of fire from the Waterford yeah. team hopefully anyway yeah it'll be an interesting one and look it is one that has been televised, televised on Sunday so um, Waterford's first game on the television for the Munster Championship this year um, I suppose the night before we have Cork and Limerick that's the big one which yeah. is the big one and it's the top two in Munster at the moment and I reckon that could potentially be the top two come the end of this now obviously Cork have dropped a point if they were to lose at Limerick this weekend they're probably under a bit of pressure they'll be on three points going into their last game which might mean they need to get a result in their last game against Waterford yeah. to get into a, a Munster final but I think this could be a cracking game on, on Saturday. Um, both teams are, are probably go, are going fairly well. Confidence is up. Limerick have had that week break now. Cork will be disappointed, I suppose, with the second half performance. But going in, the first half, let's, let's be honest, it was electrifying to watch. It was unbelievable hurling that they played. Um, how Limerick are going to combat that, I suppose it's down to work rate. And we saw that from Tipperary in the second half. Is If you get up in Cork's face, they're still very good hurlers, but you can't give them that space. If you give them the space, they will punish you. So it'd be interesting test for the Limerick defence. Yeah, they are. I mean, like any time any team gives gives Cork a bit of space, they just seem to run through them and just get scores at will. And it's a bit of a, a free flowing flowing game. They always seem to suit them a lot better. But the six day turnaround won't be great for Cork either. Like, going against them in that as well. Um, playing a home Parky Cueve will will obviously suit them. Um, was it last year or the year before? To Limerick, that very similar Limerick team beat Cork in the quarter final of the league as well. And uh, this will be a real, real, real test of, of Cork, I think, and when where they really, really are at. Like I, I, um, I, fa- I fancy Limerick this week, Shawnee. To be I, honest, I yeah. do myself. I, I, I would if if I was putting money on it, I put money on Limerick because I reckon they will come out with the points. Um, but the only the only thing I'd be in, in Cork's favour is that they're home, maybe, and and they're forwards. Their forwards yeah, are probably the best yeah. monster at the moment. So, uh, that's kicking together wise. Kind of more more heart, going with heart really. I probably go with Cork maybe by a point, and that'll be that'll be it. Like, but but you know what's interesting? It's like Cork and in all their glory and probably a, ha- a game and a half of perfect hurling and a one bad half. They lose to Limerick this Sunday. They won't fancy going playing Watford and no. Turles in the last game where they no. have to get a result. No. They will have to get a result against Watford. Watford might have they'll have Kevin Moore and back at that stage. They'll have a, hopefully a couple of the injuries cleared up. Yeah. It's, it's a it's massive it's probably game. a bigger game for Cork yeah. this weekend than Limerick even though it's only Limerick's second second game but if Limerick were to lose it then the following game becomes their biggest game so it's all kind of and, and that's what's yeah. so, so funny about it. every pundit that you yeah. hear is saying if they lose this weekend it's yeah. a massive game if you lose one game in this round robin format in Munster Leicester, Leinster you're under pressure yeah. because it's it's out of your hands then it's so hard yeah. you, you have to depend kind of on other results and you have to win every other mm. game like you know we'll talk about Kilkenny shortly um, but you can't like losing a game 
you're behind the eight ball and you have to keep delivering now and you're waiting on other results now look we haven't spoken about Clare yet we had John Mulhall on last week he made a call for Tony Kelly to be pushed up the field he said he should play him centre forward maybe even full forward yeah. went to centre forward last weekend and scored six points on play ran amok yeah. ran amok and yeah. like we spoke about that earlier that we felt that to- earlier in the year that Tony Kelly had to be I suppose like key central, key yeah. central leading the pivotal forward pivotal. Like, yeah. and in fairness to John Conlon he's been f- phenomenal for them this year as well he was but brilliant as well last week he was he's been really really good and like he's always been a big strong player but I think he's hurling has probably come on about this year he's like he's scoring so much more from play but Tony Kelly six points in play lads is joy to watch even though we only got some extended highlights on the Sunday yeah, game yeah it was poor highlights to be honest wasn't yeah. it but Tony Kelly was. but even like McGrath then and O'Donnell in the corners are two men and you, I couldn't believe what Watford did like the Watford allowed Claire to take the short puck out from looking from the highlights so every one of their attacks was from nearly the 30 yard line and they were able to hit it into their most dangerous line the full forward line of O'Donnell Conlon and McGrath who were holding it up and waiting for the boys on the pop they got so many scores mm-hmm. like that where Shane O'Donnell came out and Conor McGrath came out and popped the pass to the and a wing forward or a midfielder that's a dream ball you're coming on facing the goal tap it over off the left or the right you love those handy ones giggles uh, yeah I don't get out around <laughs> midfield too often but uh, it, it was it was it was a bit of a probably a miss on the Watford game plan now I don't know how good or bad it would have been if they didn't get all the injuries but even Burka was a big loss there De Burka was yeah. a big loss between, but even so like they're still playing out wide to McGrath yeah. and O'Donnell who are winning the ball and are, are really good primary possession winners so I, I like Clare after the weekend after 70 minutes against Cork they were level right they've beaten Watford well now they're, have they the weekend after weekend, weekend off, off? Yeah. so they'll come back into the next game and I think they'll be playing uh, Tip and then Limerick and Anthony Daly was, or it's actually Limerick first in Cusick Park which will be a local derby which again depending on how the Limerick result goes will be another massive match yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, am I right in saying Cork have a week off before they play Waterford yes you will be saying yeah because right yeah. yeah, yeah. they've played the first yeah. two weekends yeah. so yeah look it's it's been fascinating I think for the spectators I know my own parents are, are both from Cork live in Kenny they've been down to Cork or sorry Tipperary the first weekend Oh no, Cork, Cork the first weekend, weekend. stayed the weekend down off the Tipperary last weekend and they're off to Cork for the weekend this weekend yeah. they're staying the weekend and even my family are up in, up in Galway stayed the weekend yeah. for the Kenny match like that's Brilliant. what's really good about it like there's a great buzz around this yeah. from an inter-county perspective and I think we're very excited about it here the amount of games we're getting to see um, this weekend is also Sky Sports first um, coverage of the year for the hurling so I'm looking forward to that to getting a break from RTE's jaded approach and um, see hopefully they'll, they'll freshen it up yeah. on Saturday night um, I like to, I still I can't go past Jordan Nanny he's probably my favourite pundit he is good yeah. just because he's of his value. character and yeah. what he's done for the game and he goes outlandish statements he puts it on the line he doesn't hold back but that's it I think, like I think, he puts it on the line yeah. he just ex- he says exactly what he's thinking but like. you know who I think is, is excellent and should be doing more Darren Maloney's commentary I think is very good yeah. I have him ahead of Marty and, and Jerk Canning his knowledge and he actually calls out the right players and he actually gets excited about what's happening on the field Yeah, you know what I mean yeah. I, I think he's been very good Jerk Canning um, is very dated Marty's good Jerk Canning needs to go Jerk Canning is gone yeah, we're yeah. All, we're all, we, we knew that 10 yeah. years ago and, and I suppose <laughs> Michael it, Dignan it, isn't great either nah Dignan yeah. terrible he's a Bickley Kenny fan I don't he, mean he that he keeps doing a shout out to all the boys down Affley every single time like, you know, <laughs> yeah, come on Michael give it a break like. he's very he's very stating the obvious kind of thing like isn't yeah. he he doesn't really get into the game at no. all like you know but I suppose he's a co-commentator as well he's not doing the analysis on, on, on the fly in that role but but he doesn't do analysis on yeah. the game even look, like, looking at game patterns but and I'm saying I don't think he does that I don't think 
he does. That's like, what I mean. Like yeah. that's that, that's what you want to hear as a, a spectator. Yeah. If you're watching the game, you want like as you say there, it's very hard. Even if you do watch the game live on TV, like nothing beats pardon the pun nothing beats being there like and actually watching what's actually going on in the field like yep. you know outside the play where you can see you know down the, the full back or the back line where they're moving you know while we're attacking or whatever you know those type of things that you'd watch in a match and you I, can't see in TV and you you want guys on the core commentary to be telling you all about this RT need to bring in the feature that TG Catter brought in in the league final which is the replays in a window yeah, down yeah. the bottom yeah. and showing the coverage as live as is because yeah. especially in Hurling now we have fast puckouts yeah. like you'd miss a score when they're replaying another score yeah. like you know they need to step up there and the biggest thing for me well, I Durant I've said this in the last couple of weeks is the Sunday game is just a disaster at the moment because of the new format they're having to condense in so much yeah. like you see it all over Twitter Monday on the Monday game. morning they showed I think they, the Ulster Championship but the football wasn't shown the footballers are going mad over 12 on yeah. Sunday night yeah. the, one, the one thing I'd say you know what I mean Cal drives me mental now in fairness but I thought Daly and Ken McGuire are a very good duo together no they are good yeah and I, think, I think they are good but I think it's Daly's just brilliant. the format of trying to get everything fit everything in, in yeah. on a Sunday night when there's too much going on you can't the amount, there, there could be a lot to be said for a Sunday game and a Monday game. There was a Monday game before. I think yeah. you need to go back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had Anthony Daly and Tommy Walsh, I'd say, on, yeah, on yeah. the panel. <laughs> oh Tommy my God, wouldn't that be just brilliant? Two Tommy's real good. passionate fellas. Tommy's good on the radio. I don't know about Monday telly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the first thing negative thing you said about a kick any first on this <laughs> 24 episodes. That was, that was a negative. It was just constructive. <laughs> but just it is interesting. The GA have been, they've reached out to the GA for comment on the highlights package being pro- provided and their response is that the GA are doing their own thing now on Twitter with the GA now highlights, oh, yeah. where you get highlights as the games are on live. They're showing points, okay. they're showing goals. You do, and you get that in the mornings as well. You yeah, know, after the games, you're on the train in to work. You, and can, you can watch, watch that. The highlights, watch that yeah. back. So yeah. that's what they are saying that there is that other offer out there to catch up. So looking fair, some the GA are being quite innovative there, but it's probably up to RT to step up. I think that's enough of my rant on that. So <laughs> we might leave Munster there. Another fascinating weekend ahead. Coming up next, we've got the the infamous Giggles Corner. Like the legend of the phoenix <laughs> All ends with beginnings What keeps the planet spinning uh, The force from the beginning We're now done in past the injury time Kelly has to go for distance The referee doesn't blow his whistle Ball comes out towards Dolan Dunaway Clare have the ball. Patrick O'Connor sends it into the centre. They have to hold possession. The referee gets out of the way. Hand passes on. Donald O'Donovan is the left corner back. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Oh, holy Moses. What a match. I have never experienced anything like it. Blow it up, ref. Blow it up. By Gavin. Blow up the final whistle. Surely he's looking at his watch. And he's blown the final whistle. It's a draw for the second year in a row. Back here with Giggles Corner. I don't think we've had Giggles Corner for three or four weeks, Giggles. So 
I asked you during the week how you fix have you prepped you said I have a couple up my sleeve and you think this is a good one I will put the disclaimer out there myself and Sean I don't know what this is never do no so over to you Giggles what have you got for us this week so I'm going to go over my own lifetime right oh, and I'm go. going to do the top <laughs> the top five hurling games of the last 34 years according to me okay alright right. so I'm going to go through the, to my top five I'll give you a bit of a what happened in the match what the year was and uh, I'm sure I've got a couple of honourable mentions I'm sure I've leave out some counties because I mightn't have seen the games but I was at I think four of these games myself I wasn't at one of them so I'm going to go through them you'll have your own opinions on whether I'm being biased obviously or not we can have a bit of debate afterwards and then obviously if any of the listeners think I'm talking through my or if they have an alternative <laughs> opinion they can they can tweet it in alright on acadagia gadagia at email.com and acadagia on Instagram <laughs> boom so uh, I suppose just there's loads of games here. I've gone for five. At five, at number five, the fifth best game that I've um, ever experienced was the 2014 drawn All-Ireland final between Kilkenny and Tipperary. I suppose, just to give a summation of that game, I think for the first maybe 40, 45 minutes, Kilkenny were probably in control of that game. You had one eight from TJ. You had 2-1 from Richie Power, who's arguably one of the best Kilkenny forwards ever. You had six points from who got man in the match that day, Richie Hogan. And then suddenly, just kind of unexpectedly, because everyone expected Kilkenny to win that, Tip started to turn the tide. Bonner Maher kept him in it with a goal. Lark Harbert, who hadn't played well that year, started to wreak havoc. And I think everyone will remember that shot off the inside of the post mm-hmm. where he had turned, I think it was JJ Laney. It would have been a game changer. And then I suppose it kind of just went all bubbles and Callan got seven points each. And it was all down Richie then. Richie Powers' goals. That's what I said. He had two one from yeah. already. All down then to Hawkeye. And the last, Bubbles Dwyer got a free from his own 45. Yeah. Kilkenny people were crying. There was a famous video of Tom Ryan's brother abroad in America looking at a video. No, no, he can't do it. And next thing, it was over. It was wide. And I think just the excitement, that was number five for me. A lot of people might have that as number one, but it was it was my number five. That was, that was a cracking game. Yeah. I was actually home from Australia for that game. And when Bubbles got the free, the way the crowd reacted was it there was a score yeah. I was certain that was a point and then I went to the Hawkeye and I remember the Hawkeye coming up on the screen and that it was red <laughs> yeah. and, and that was before the yes or no came up but I knew that the red meant it was, it, it was wide I was so delighted like you know to lose in that fashion on a free that wasn't a free in my opinion yeah. and Barry Kelly hasn't been left for Riffical Kenny game since um, and had there been no Hawkeye the crowd probably would have been it would have been a score it would have been because the umpires players. would have went to, yeah, I reckon because yeah. in fairness to the umpires it was above the post yeah. oh yeah like oh that, yeah, that was a cracking game Crack. that was, so that was my number four at, or my number five sorry at number four I have a club game actually from 2011 it was it's infamous because we have two of our own Gary Owen lads involved in it Brian Burke and Paul Callan but it was Clarenbridge 322 De La Salle 127 after extra time I don't know do you remember that yeah, game I but do. Yeah. basically I suppose De La Salle were three points up heading into normal time her heading into full time inspired by Milan who scored 11 points on the day and Mark Kearns managed to bury a goal the, one of the Kearns brothers Alan Kearns then got a point to put them a point up and Clarence Ridge were gone cracked in normal time and the Bull Phelan who played wing back for Waterford back in the mid noughties came along and absolutely hit a dinger over yeah. the bar to force extra time then I guess uh, Mark Kearns and a guy called Owen Madigan who was on the Waterford senior panel for a while traded goals in extra time and De La Salle were two points up with full t- with extra time over and Alan Kearns hit a dribbly shot in towards the goal De La Salle full back I know him very well I played minor with him Ian Flynn went to control it and it just went up in over his head 
and the whole of Claren Bridge ran towards him and one lad, I think it was Ian and Murphy, came in and just batted it down into the net. Puck out, game over. And Claren Bridge, as we all know, went on probably to beat O'Loughlin Gales very easily in that final. Um, and it's interesting because chatting to Berkey or Callan, they'll tell you, in the Galway group stages that year, they had lost their two games, two group games out of five. They were down by two points in extra time in their third and managed to get a sneaky goal to win it or to draw it, I think, and they won their last two just to get out of the group in Galway. And then they went on this roll and ended up becoming All-Ireland club champions. So that's a bit of a story behind it, but the game itself was like ding-dong. But as a Watford person, we'd be shouting for Dele Salle. We, we felt heartbroken for them trying to get now All-Ireland. <laughs> they don't come often. So that was my number four. The club championships often serve up crackers, don't oh, they? they do. And, yeah. and yeah. we've seen that this year with the two fi- with the final and the replay. The two finals and the semi final between the Ulster crowd and the Piercing when the Piercing get the two lads sent off. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're always serve up classics. Yeah. yeah. Two good two good start giggles. Yeah, I'm interested in the top three. The top three now, the number three known as the five minute final or the seven minute final, whatever way you want to look at ah, it was yeah. Offaly three sixteen, Limerick two thirteen in nineteen ninety four. Um, I was. This is the one I wasn't at. Um, it was really, I suppose, real nineties hurling. You had a whole host of stars, like you had the Wheelahans, the Troys, the Pilkingtons. You had um, on the Kieran Carey, Davy Clark, Mike Hoolahan. You had a guy called Damien Quigley. I don't know do you remember. He had yeah. a blue off and micro helmet, but he he two three scored in the first half, yeah. and he was Limerick were in control, and it was destined for their first All Ireland since seventy three until Johnny Dooley, uh, or one of the Dooleys was fouled. Johnny Dooley took the free. Will he go for it? Of course he will. He buried it. Next thing the ball bounces, a cool dairy man, Pat O'Connor, pulls on the ball, back of the net again, and the, the awfully just got momentum, and momentum is a cruel mistress. It just turns and you can't get it back. So Limerick people obviously remember that with bad memories. On the story side of it, I suppose, Eamon Cregan, a Limerick stalwart who was the corner forward when Limerick last won the All-Ireland was the manager of the Offaly team and I suppose it was just an All-Ireland final that was just got the heart going and then you couldn't believe it when the final whistle went because you had Limerick's name on the cup and suddenly Offaly were bringing it home It was a, f- a phenomenal game and it's actually one that's on GEA Go at the oh, moment in on the Classic Games and I watched it just after Christmas there Hurling is absolutely brutal in it yeah. but yeah. those <laughs> last those last 10-15 minutes are amazing that even the commentary Jerk Hanning is like oh it's looking like oh, you know yeah What's going to happen? And it just, oh. Well, that's interesting. About I, I was watching. I think it must have been nineteen ninety seven slash nineteen ninety eight when hurling kind of came up a notch. Because I was actually watching the ninety five final back a couple of months ago, and it's it's you said it's brutal hurling. The, yeah. the, the bosses and the hurleys tiny. are tiny. Yeah. The slitters are probably heavier. The goalie couldn't pa- poke a pass to sixty five. Yeah. Whereas now lads can't hit the ball more no. than forty yards in it. Yeah. Whereas now you have lads pointing on the run from their own forty five. So uh, you know, there's something to be said from do you make the ball heavier or do you, is it would it take away from the game? I don't know, but it was it was definitely a different type of hurling back then. Like I suppose Johnny Pilkington was heroic in that he had the old silkwood purple in the sock going out <laughs> in the All Ireland final, have a fag at half time himself, Mike Hool and then it'll be clashing in the dressing room. So it was um it was a different era. But yeah, that was my number three. Number two I went for this game. Probably because I was at the game and I was leaving thinking Cork had robbed in All-Ireland. <laughs> it was the 2013 draw match between Clare and Cork. Uh, I think this one was similar to the first yeah. one. Clare were in control for the whole game. They were scoring points yeah. left, right and centre. Cork kept in it with a goal from Nash. They got a, goal, a great goal from Conor Took Leanne. off their centre-back. Took off their centre-back. And then, out of nowhere, Pat Horgan got a top corner from the edge of the box. And then Horgan 
scored what they thought was the winning point and it was like Jesus how did these cock boys it was typical Jimmy Barry Murphy style stuff they were going to win an All-Ireland that they had no right winning um, but holy Moses Donald O'Donovan Marty's commentary is famous like it was just it's it's, it's like a magical it's script moment, isn't it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Ryder Overs the lad playing cornerback Liam will be looking for you to do that now on Sunday straight up <laughs> straight up the pitch for the winner uh, off the left hand side over the bar Everyone's leaving the pitch and leaving Crow Park delighted even though it was a draw because it was such a good yeah. game of hurling and they were looking forward to the replay which Clare went on to win in another cracker but probably a bit more predictable. And the amount of goals like it was insane. Shane O'Donnell was the goal was the second really day. Really announced yeah, himself that year. Oh the second day was yeah. Shane O'Donnell. Eight goals but the second day. What was the day? Was, was the second day all the tw- was the 21 yard freeze? So the first game Nash scored a 21 yard free yeah. And the second game Then Davey had come up With this plan Where 14 lads Lined the, line. the goal With goalie And Nash still scored And just standard yeah. the, 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 the plan was to just Don't move And we'll create a, sh- a shield And <laughs> if you watch the video Of that replay He hits the ball On the 14 And you don't see Anything well, except no. for The net billowing yeah. <laughs> And then we had The rule change as a result Yeah, yeah. Disgrace But yeah that was A cracking Ireland final yeah. But it was a very Different Ireland final As well Compared to the years that had just gone by with the Kenny All Ireland swear, it was so open those two yeah. games, wasn't it? Like you know, it was oh, dragging and pulling and no. tearing. The one in the replay where it kind of highlights that and it probably highlighted Cork's problem up the middle in defence was Pat Donnellan gets the ball in his own forty-five playing sweeper and soloed the length of the field up the middle, yeah, up the middle, and hand passed it to yeah. Shane O'Donnell, goal clear and Dreamland after getting his second one, and that just kind of I suppose exposed the Cork weakness that time. I think they had Shane Murphy or Shane Shane Murphy, yeah, no, Shane, Shane O'Neill at O'Neill fullback, yeah. who's a natural cornerback. Yeah. And I don't know who they I had think that was really the kind of end of Shane O'Neill. They, con- was, they yeah. kind of yeah. they kind of played two in the full forward line that time. Shane O'Donnell and Connor McGrath. McGrath, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Ivor Hain. Ivor Hain. I don't think there'll be any prizes for guessing what this is. Two thousand and four. Uh, Watford 316, Cork 121, the most. Of course, it's the Watford one, is the I knew when he mentioned it, I was yeah. going to be a tough game. I suppose Cork went ahead and had a blistering start in that game. I think Stephen Brenner would like to forget, but all of us Watford people remember that really poxy goal where he doubled on it from 45 yards out in a dribble. Garvin McCarthy. Garvin McCarthy, yeah. He was his own ga- only game he ever started yeah. for Cork. <laughs> but Ben O'Connor was on fire, Joe Dean was on fire, and Watford looked in trouble, and then actually. Funny, interestingly enough, usually when Cork play Watford, Sean Oak picks up Dan. Yeah, that was always the way, and they'd always have a great Straight tussle. Like and if for some reason, I found out afterwards it was Gardner always balloons the ball into the square where Sean Oak delivers his thing. So they put Gardner on Dan. Dan had won three after twenty five <laughs> minutes, and he was gone to town like he was all over, yeah. all over <clears> him. Um, Stan kept him in. There was a wonder goal from Owen Kelly where he got hooked by Jerry O'Connor line. up the sideline, bang. I suppose then we got to half time, we drew our breaths. Cork looked like okay, yeah, the Cork are going to go on and win this. Milan starts the second half, gets a point. Jesus, maybe Watford have something here, and then Milan gets sent off, and you're thinking, oh my God, what's he after doing? He's after giving Brian Murphy the butt of the hurley. The 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 rest is history for John. But the man who really stood up then was Paul Flynn. Like whatever you have, you have the magic slitter score. Do you know where's the slitter? It's in the back of the net, lads. Pick it out. But the amount of points he got from play, and even once he missed, but he was just on every ball when Milan went off, was unreal. I picked then two defensive highlights to kind of finish this off. I usually be given out to me now for not picking up on the defensive highlights, but the Ben O'Connor and Jerry O'Connor at the time in 2004 were the Newtown Chandram boys on show and they were winning All-Irelands for Cork and for Newtown Chandram nearly on their own. And Ben had hand-passed the ball. Jerry was coming through ready to bury it. 
and a guy called James Murray from Tallow just James barely Murray, flicked yeah. it ran out Owen Murphy picked up the break drove it to Seamus Pendergast and Seamus put it over the bar for what happened to be the, the match winning score the puck out after that then was then iconic Ken McGrady's best went up plucked the ball over the rock to Yermit Sullivan who had mm. been shifted up came out and Niall McCarthy came in and fouled him and it was that was it Tibby uh, Tibby came all, in and fouled him yeah all we remember after that is John Milan crying in tears saying I love me county yeah. <laughs> iconic moment yeah. Icon- so the, I Kenny won the all Ireland that year by the way no I didn't no, Cork so won. Cork won. Oh, 2004, sorry, yeah. Kikenny were going for the 3 yeah. yeah. So Cork still won the other one. Watford played Kikenny in the semi-final and actually had Milan suspended. Could Paul Flynn scored 14 points of the 118, I think, and we lost by a goal. But was, she, Kikenny had three goals very early on. Yeah, was the 2003 so or was Flynn's goal? 2004, no, that was that oh, game. That, that was that yeah. game. Everything yeah. was in that game. 2003 was another cracker That game, was the so. game Milan got the hat trick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, they were my top. Look, a couple of honourable mentions. I put down the Clare Offaly trilogy in 98. Yeah, that was Clare fun. drew, Clare won, and then Clare lost. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't be offering any, actually. We had the same scenario here out in, an interest out in Victoria where there was a bit of a... Lesser stakes now. Lesser stakes. <laughs> well, Sinn Féin were knocked out out of football based on what they said was the referee had the wrong score. Oh, yeah. So technically you have to go by the referee's report and that was the case back then as well. But Clare actually offered awfully the replay and I'd say if you went back and asked all those Clare boys now, would you have given them the replay again? No way. It would have cost, it probably cost them a third dollar in the middle. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And we, as a Kenny fan that time, we were roaring for Offaly to be Clare because yeah. we thought we'd beat Offaly. Because you'd hammered them in the Leinster We'd hammered them. We yeah. were delighted when Offaly won. I remember my sister went over to Torres for that replay, shouting on for Offaly <laughs> up in the terrace, and then turned around and we <laughs> got bent by Absolute disaster. Did the other three kind of honour Milton had Clare and Waterford 98 to draw a game? Kind of emergency. The Tony Brown and uh, Colin Lynch. No, no, that was the replay. Oh, yeah. The draw game oh, was a lot tighter. Yeah. It, was, it was kind of when Waterford, we got a hammer in the yeah. replay. There was a game in 1997, I think it was one of the first qualifiers, Kilkenny versus Galway. Well, that was a cracking game. 4-16 to 3-17. I think DJ scored about 3-6. DJ was unbelievable. Eugene Clunan scored about 2-7 and it was the battle. It was just like goal. It was. I remember yeah. watching it. And Cork and Galway All-Ireland Final of 1990. Oh, Finished okay. Cork oh, yeah. 5-15, yeah. Galway 2-21, a one-goal victory for, for Cork, which... I think one of the famous highlights of that is Tomas Mulcahy going through, losing his hurley, yeah. and he kicks the ball to the net. Football style was kind yeah. of the thing there. But they were my five top games of my lifetime, I'm sure. Anyone who can remember further back might have some more. But um, Shawnee has a few years in you. <laughs> he does, Shawnee. Yeah. No, Giggles, I have to say, now, that was very good. Balanced, of course, at the end, was a Watford game, but that was a cracking game. Yeah. And I suppose that was a game that probably epitomised monster hurling in those in the noughties, I suppose, that's what the hype and surrounds oh. of that type of a match. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at that game, watch back it on TV, it was like 50,000 in Turles oh. at that game, like thronged. And we probably haven't had those attendances yeah. in Munster for like a few years now. Even the Munster final doesn't get that. Doesn't no. get that. I, re- I remember going to those games that time like and following Cork from about 2002 onwards. Like 2003 basically was when it all kind of kicked off. And go on to Torles and it would be absolutely wedge. Peak, peak oh, times. Like. And then go up to up to Dublin and up to, up to Crow Park and it'd be cork everywhere. Like the support yeah. was phenomenal. I know the support isn't the same now, like but like I just I can't understand why it's not like because like it, I think it's just it's it's there's more on the like the Munster fine did mean more back in two thousand four yeah. than it does now, no matter what anyone says. That now, day in Torles, like Torles as well is is probably the perfect town. It is. It's like, amazing. Cork doesn't have it. Like 
Galway no. won't have it. Dublin doesn't even have it. City. Yeah. Whereas you've got the square, you've got lads you with the agree with them or not, they're off their head on cider, yeah. drinking from about ten in the morning or on the bus up from Bloody Tipperary yeah. or Waterford or wherever they're coming or from. Or the train, the train yeah. goes yeah. as well. Yeah, I know. I have to say, even going over, I used to go to a lot of those matches with my parents. Go, I used to love going over to Torres for a match. Yeah. It's a great place Savage to go atmosphere. for a game. Yeah, it's and then you have the players come down after the game, walk they down to Bo's yeah. bar, and yeah. they have a few pints with, yeah. the, with everyone. It was just yeah. that's ma- the magic of Torres, I suppose. And yeah. I, I think we'll see that back again maybe this year in the Monster Final. Well, on just based on that, actually, the attendances are, are the attendances are better than they are in Leinster yeah, at the moment. Like, but like you, you still see the two ends. Like, the, you might see one of the terraces maybe half full. Like, but. It's awful to see, isn't it, that the terraces yeah. are, are, are empty. Oh, because like. the terraces were the place to go yeah. when you were a young lad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the packed. Yeah, yeah, especially the Tipperary Cork there at the weekend, seeing yeah. no one up the other end. No. Yeah. But look, that's because I think there's a game after game each weekend, and that wasn't an offer back then. But look, great top five giggles. Um, what we'll do is we'll get the listeners to respond to us. Do, uh, do Yeah, we'd love to hear what the, the counter to that. There's a few definitely that I think... Winder. I think actually the 2004 Kilkenny or sorry 2014 Kilkenny tip the first day was a cracking game but the second game was actually a phenomenal game as well even though Kilkenny came out on top yeah. I think the hurling in that one was even better than the 2014 2014 first day was a shootout yeah you know and what I mean? this is what do you know what actually did you mention that game no, I, no? I, I, he, I mentioned, t- he mentioned the no, first day after that the second the, day the interesting thing I was listening to Damien Hayes actually and there was the whole Munster Leinster debate on uh, one of them radios recently and he made a very valid point and it was like Munster hurling people think Munster is the best thing since sliced bread and he was Damien was defending Leinster and he said Munster hurling is so open mm. and it's such a free flowing game that he said Jesus you might come out of a Munster he's never played one now but you might come out of a Munster championship game and you wouldn't even be that sore whereas he described Leinster hurling as a much more physical affair a tighter affair and you'd have the likes of Dublin and maybe Wexford and Leash traditionally back in the 90s and early 90s would have been more physical teams and kind of went to beat teams around and it, it was a much more physical game in Leinster and then that's why you've got classics then I suppose when the two yeah. come together as well mm-hmm. and difference. so the first All-Ireland final in 2014 was very much a Munster affair and the second one was probably very much a Leinster affair Kilkenny closed it down it was way more physical way more physical and yeah. JJ backed that up as well in that podcast as well he was saying how when you when you're playing Leinster teams like it's a lot more physical and yeah. you know a lot more less space and things like that. But he says when when you're playing the Munster teams up in Crow Park, he says if you give them any bit of a space at all, they'll just run all over you. Like yeah. yeah, and we've seen that over the years as well. Look, I think that's a good segue into um, the Leinster Championship and where we're up to on that. So thanks for giggles, Corner. Good work, giggles. I'm interested to see what you have under under your sleeve for the next for next week. So keep up the good work, and we'll we'll be back again that next week. So up next, Leinster. So what's that supposed to be about, baby? Get free up your vibe and stop acting crazy. Reminisce for all the good times daily. Why you trying to pose that can't be acting shady? The ball hands out the far side to Henry Shefflin. Henry has a look. Henry puts it over the ball. There's the insurance fight. Mrs. McGinnis. Kick that one out. Kick the bones out of that one, Mrs. McGinnis. Cusack is not still in now. Okay, lads, we're a week ahead of Munster, Leinster. As I always say myself, Leinster is always that step ahead of Munster. <laughs> um, so we had a, a very interesting weekend last weekend, I suppose. The, the big game was Kilkenny Galway. We all on the show last week, myself, Shawnee and Mulhall, tipped Galway to get the win. 
probably didn't think it was going to be as emphatic a win for Galway as watching the game unfold on Sunday night. Like, Kilkenny obviously running a few points behind at half time, but they were really hanging in there the whole way through, you felt. And talking about there, just about the physicality in Leinster, I think that was an exhibition of physicality from Galway. Kilkenny tried to match them where they could, but physically, Galway are so far ahead, I think, at the moment. And you saw on Kilkenny, one of Kilkenny's best players was Luke Scanlon, but like how he was shaping up to some of those Galway lads. And we saw even Dixborough, Spill Sheen came on corner forward. It's just like those lads just yeah. found it very hard on Sunday. And Galway, I think, just physically and their hurling, I think they're contenders to be. And they're the, t- the team to beat this year. I, I cannot see anyone beating Galway this year. They just look outstanding. Like their half forward line, Mannion, Canning, and who was the other half forward? Was Joe Cooney. Cooney like, yeah. tr- like Mannion is classed as smaller. He's still over six foot and he's still well built. Joe's a monster. Joe Cooney's a monster. And they're both, three of them are unbelievable. Left and right, first touch, catch in the air. Like you talk about Tip and not having a half forward line. But here's the counter to it Galway have the best half forward line nearly since the Larkin, Shefflin uh, and TJ or Eddie, whoever was on the other wing kind of line at the moment. And I know it's, you can't compare them because they had longevity and this is only a year and a half, but certainly Galway are just looking like I, I they're going to steamroll everyone. Yeah, they look they look just worlds apart, like physically, you know, athletically, everything. And they have a half-back line to boot as well on top of that. Mm-hmm. Like, just, just monsters of men. Like, yeah. And they're not only quick... And physical, like they're not only big and physical, they're actually quick and can hurl as well at the same time. Like, which is just an ideal mix, an ideal you know sprinkling for your for your team. And then you've got the guys in the inside far line, like Whelan. Jesus, Whelan is, Whelan is, is like a bull, yeah. but like he's like a bull, but he's yeah. hurling. Yeah, he's a tra- every time he gets the ball, you think His he's, first go- touch he's going for a goal. Yeah, and, he, and the way he takes the ball on the turn. Yeah. Nightmare to mark. I thought. Player, I thought. What's his name? What was the guy named? The guy was on him. Cannon. Oh, the, I was. No, the guy him. that was marking him. Oh. Marcy. Ma- Morris Deegan. No. No, in the Marcy. Oh, Paddy Deegan. Paddy Deegan. Yeah, yeah. Paddy Deegan. I thought. I thought he couldn't do any more. Like he was. He was at his his hundred percent. Like he could not do any more. Like there was no no more he could do. I thought he played very well in what he actually did. And like, as you said, there, Liam. You know, I still thought kicking. He like did very very well for what they had. Like. They stuck with him, they stuck with him. Like, it took him a fair while to rattle, to get Shake Kilkenny off and start popping over points. Like, yeah, I, I, I know I, they looked easy when they were doing it, but like, Kilkenny, as Kilkenny do, they just, you know, they always hang in there. Kilkenny or Kilkenny, they're like now, is it? And look, <laughs> I think they, they, look they, did, they did hang in there, but like, Kilkenny didn't score from play in the second half no. until that Walter Walsh goal mm. at the end and to score 1-2 from play in total now and the, count, the counter to that is Brian Cody saying look, we got a lot of frees and they were scoring opportunities that we might have scored from but Kilkenny have never been shut out like that since probably Galway no. bet them in 2012 in Leinster yeah, when we were all talking about that day. TJ didn't during the league like he's has phenomenal TJ, this phenomenal that like, he hasn't he delivered yet for Kilkenny geez, this year he hasn't no, no. no. And what, what I'll say to that is look TJ is a marked man Look, yeah. That's fair enough. Like he always has been. He always has been. But he, he can he need him to step up and lead where possible. And his work rate was still there on Sunday. He was yeah. still chasing, getting his hooks in, getting his blocks in. But he just wasn't getting primary possession. Kilkenny's leader at the moment and has been since the start of the championship has been Walter Walsh in the forwards. Yeah. He's put in a phenomenal performance. He's showing for everything. Yeah. He's taking defenses on, and he's getting on the scoreboard and drawing the foul. Yeah. TJ just isn't doing that at the moment and. 
we said that if TJ gets shut down for Kilkenny, yeah. Kilkenny will look ordinary. Yeah. And they looked ordinary on Sunday, even though they hung in there. And look, look, they've got, obviously they got Wexford coming up in their last game. They're probably going to get third place, depending on how score difference works out. But get over Wexford and, and they might be still in the Leicester final. But that'll be... Oh, to beat Wexford, they're guaranteed Leicester Leicester final. Leicester final. Yeah. But it's a Leicester final against Galway again. Yeah. Like, you know, and... <laughs> I playing Galway up in Crow Park whatever about playing Galway up in Pierce Stadium which was kind of a tight affair shite field shite field <laughs> Ed Sheeran had dug it up and Galway County Board would even bother relaying a proper surface back in for the match um, I'm sure Galway was same I'm sure Galway people have no no, um, no sympathy for Kilkenny people either it's like the same for Galway it was the same yeah, for Galway yeah, as it yeah, was for Kenny yeah. it Kenny yeah. the day. <laughs> it might have helped Kenny in the day but it didn't really in the yeah, end but no but I'm saying in general any, I'd say Galway people pro- and supporters wouldn't have any, any sympathy for for uh, Kilkenny like how many times how long have they been in Leinster now and they've been just oh, getting hammered no, by no Kilkenny sympathy for Kenny I'm not, not expecting any sympathy from just Goblet. the pitch was just, uh, just a comment <clears throat> on, on, on the pitch but look I think look Brian Cody's reaction to it afterwards as well is look it's we're back again it's another game yeah. like you, you you keep going and it's not that he I don't think there was any resignation in his voice but like Kilkenny are going through a rebuilding phase yeah. he'll, never, he'll never say that but the drop off in players and quality and just the the conditioning of the players that were there, we'll say in the last couple of years, to the condition of the players that are there now. Look at look back at those games in ninety five, ninety seven that we're talking yeah. about, or even two thousand and four. No yeah. one was in that kind of condition. No. Look at the condition the Galway lads are in. Well, they've got this Polish lad in uh, Podolski or something like that that trained Tipperary, and now he's Podolski. Yeah. I think he used to play for Germany. He probably did. Yeah, <laughs> he's close he, enough. He's he's the strength. I can't pronounce his name. But he's the strength and conditioning guy. And like Michael Dunne, who went was a selector, a, a kind of a behind the scenes selector with. What's his name? Eamon O'Shea and Michael Ryan in Tipperary back in 2014 or 15. And then when he took the Galway job, the following year, was the first thing he did was rob your man from Tipperary, the strength and conditioning coach. And you can see the dividends it's paid. Like, you're every, like, like fair, Luke Scanlon, I thought, got on a lot of ball. And as a corner forward... He was excellent. Excellent. But he was marking Tuhi, who was on a lot of ball, who was twice his build... And whatever, when he got past Tuhi, he ran into the bus that is Dye oh, Burke. Dye Burke done him in the first half. He done him. And do you know what? It, it sent, like someone said in the Sunday game, I can't remember who it was, but it was like Dye Burke, it wasn't a sending off offence, even though it was way worse than what Kevin Moran did, right? Under the letter of the law, it was a frontal charge. It was dangerous play or whatever. You, you couldn't put it down as a sending off. Um, but there's been no full forward want to go into the square now and get oh, that no. treatment. And everyone knows... Every full forward, maybe with the exception of Walter Welch, who was just manhand. Well, Walter played all right, but no one else is a full forward that size to take on Dahi Burke. It'll be interesting to see Liam Rush come up against him, I suppose. But and I think that comes down to the point. I think Dahi Regan was picking up that on off the ball during the week was Galway spine now what they have. Their full back, yeah. their centre back in Grod McInerney have been problem areas for Galway for a long time. 25 years, yeah. For a long, yeah. long time. And that now is absolutely rock solid. Yeah. Like, how good was Garone McInerney again yeah. on, on Sunday? Like, you know, whatever about being a huge out for when the defenders come with the ball, but like, nothing gets past them. Like, that Galway half-back line was their platform, yeah. was their launching pad. And that's, Kenny just couldn't live with it. Yeah. One no ball in that half-hour, it couldn't get through. Yeah. Mannion got man of the match. Mannion yeah. got Hart wasn't bad in the other side Hart was fantastic and they brought I want to say TJ was out there and Walter was out there and still got no joy so look uh, not surprised with the result Kilkenny will go into that last game against Wexford and Nolan Park as Wexford are absolutely flying it I know they played uh, we'll say a poor Offaly team ended up with 12 men Sean you want to come in there Lucas Kirstenstein there you go 
There you go, John. Dolsky was close enough. He was he was also worked with the Irish women's rugby team as well in the Munster Rugby Academy. Yeah, the government like yeah, they are phenomenal shape. And get him over to Gary Owen there next year. <laughs> I don't know what you'll be able for a giggles. About three weeks, that's, that's all he get out of us. <laughs> you ran out three of days. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I think Wexford obviously had a massive win over Offaly. Offaly, we'll say we we'll just forget about Offaly now. They're playing Dublin this yeah. weekend. Dublin are at home. Dublin are going to win that. Let's Writing's be honest. on the wall, really. Writing's on the wall. I, I just can't see Offaly put, putting up a, a challenge there. Um, Offaly are probably going to get relegated. There's been talks of, oh, it's unfair, it shouldn't be this, it shouldn't be that. Lads, it came in in Congress, it's been decided. And then there's all this big conversation around it now. I, I hate this conversation you know post-Congress, though. The, the, you know the, what I mean? The, the, it really the, frustrates me, all the pundits come out, oh, they're doing great working up and offering. Yeah, that's grand. And it should be the same as a Munster, and it should be the same as a Leinster, but it's not. And that's what's in, and that's what's happening. And it's unfortunate for Offaly. We have the, the Warford lads complaining about it. They'll Paddy Joe or something. What was on about it today? I was reading. Paddy Joe Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think, I, I know it's in Congress, but like ultimately the input that players and pundits have into Congress is very little because they don't have really an input into their county board in most counties, right? I, I just say, I don't think there would be as much given out about it if it was the same for both provinces. Correct. But there wasn't this conversation post-Congress is what I'm saying. I'm not saying they should have an input into it, but when they got decided, it was like, yeah. oh, this, this is a new farm. It's interesting. It then, yeah. And next minute then, the way things are going, it's like, yeah. Jesus, is terrible. What's happening? Everyone thought it was a great idea at the time. But no, it's yeah. just, I just don't think anyone, Congress always happens November, December, January. Is that right? Around that time, Liam? Yeah. GA season isn't even up and running. Anyone who's like in the inter-county scene is just looking for the break probably and they don't want to hear about GA while they have their little break. But it'd be fair to say as well, because a lot of people didn't know actually what was happening. Oh, that's what, yeah. That's Case what in point that we actually had you talk us through with the new farmer the and, you, and, you, and you told us a completely different <laughs> farmer talking out your right way it should have been. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I think we had people just on the eve of the Leinster Munster Championship over here, like good hurling people that we played hurling with going, yeah. So if you get knocked out, you're into the qualifiers. It's like, lads, there's no qualifiers this yeah, year. Yeah, mm. yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, so I think people are only realising now, oh, this is what's happening. Yeah. You know, there was that kind of eureka moment, yeah. to borrow a phrase from here. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I still think it's... They might, like, the, the one point Anthony Daly and what's-his-name Ken made is that when the game with the boy is a bit kind of false and you could get a good draw and a bad draw, that kind of makes it a little bit unfair. So maybe having two sixes in both makes it a little bit more even but then do you take away from all the intensity that we're experiencing now that's making it so exciting because you'd have maybe a Kerry and Munster and a, and a let's say a Westmead and, let's say, and there's a, a certain inevitability about when Westmead go to Galway whereas even when Offaly were playing Galway in the round one I don't want I wouldn't like to see Offaly get relegated but even when they're Offaly put up a challenge do you know what I mean yeah yeah um, it's it's a, or even even if it was just that the winner of the Joe McDonough has to play the relegation candidate, that would be that was the thing that we've said we thought that would be a playoff. Yeah, between you if you got mm. came last Leinster Munster, you play the winner yeah. of the Joe McDonough playoff, yeah. and that, I think that's fair. So if it was fair, if it was the same for both, there wouldn't be any argument because at least there'd be a game to decide whether let's say Westmead win it, are they better than Offaly? Yeah. And there's a good chance Westmead are on the same level as Offaly right now. And yeah, that's probably fair. It, it, like they've, they're on a roll. Mikey, Michael, well, Michael Ryan, Michael Ryan is doing a great <laughs> job. He's <laughs> doing a great job with them up there. They've won three in a row. Uh, they've got a good team. They've they ran. Did they beat Offaly last year? Or did they lose them by a point in the Leinster round robin? It, it's always close between them. So there's a certain sense that yeah, you're right, Liam. Offaly are going to be relegated, and that's the rules. And Westmead are probably going to come up, and they're a good team as well. 
but then there's just a sense of oh geez awfully regret lads back in the 90s so we should be letting them up for a while the whole time it's a hard one it is a hard one and look it is it is a quirk in this year's championship and it's interesting to see it on full I suppose Wexford and Galway is the other game this weekend and that is the top two in, in Leinster facing off against each other it's, that is going to be a very very interesting game now obviously Galway going they are going to be favourites but it is down in Wexford 5 o'clock on a Saturday night the weather is giving good down there I think that could be a great game Wexford played a sweeper Wexford are physically stronger than Kilkenny in majority of physically wise um, yeah I think that I think it will be a good game like Davy Fitz sets out and he has his game plans in such detail and his players follow him to the letter of law Um it all depends on whether Wexford can get the scores. Like they're getting a lot of their scores from half back midfield Rory coming O'Connor. up. Rory O'Connor is obviously he's he's gifted and famous. Yeah. But like what did what did Galway do when Watford had a gifted player in Aston Gleeson? They put Garold McInerney on him and yeah. said the forward and shut him down. I reckon they'll do something similar to like yeah, Nobody wants Garold McInerney running around after no. you. You tie your lace and he's absolutely yeah. he's, he's not in it for you. Do you know? Because <laughs> it was interesting actually. Austin Gleeson was on off the ball with Joe Malay yeah. a couple weeks ago. Did you listen to that? I did. Yeah, that, it was really good. But Garold McInerney picked him up and he thought, all right, look, he picked me up for the first yeah. while and then he's he'll drift off. He'll have enough. Like of Austin Demet, didn't yeah. go anywhere. No. Yeah. And Austin was talking about God if he had his time back, he would have hung out by the sideline for a while and taken yeah. him out of the game for a while and seen them. Would he have? Drifted back in, and yeah. it was fascinating to hear Austin Gleeson relive that. He was honest about it. So he was honest. So about honest. It. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. He spoke with great maturity. And and then the conversation that he sat down with Derek McGrath as well, and actually had a chat with him about you know open honest uh, chat. And McGrath actually put himself out on the table and said, "Look, like maybe I got it wrong here." And they actually had an open and honest yeah. discussion, which is that's great to see a manager and players actually coming together like that. Yeah. Yeah, look, it can, it can, and it can't be. I don't know. Cody goes the opposite way. Then, like, there's no. He shuts down. To, not that he shuts down players' ideas, but there's no. Heart, like, Derek is probably the exact opposite of Brian Cody. Well, Derek is heart in his sleeve, arm around his players, and in love with his players. I think it's easier for Cody to be like that though, because Cody's got a culture of winning there, and he's got, like, but he came a, in with that culture though. Exactly, but that he has, he's created that culture himself. Yes. But like he's got. Kenny hadn't won all Ireland in seven years. I, I, know, I know, but like you know. it's easy, it's easier for him to do that. Like Waterford trying to break the mold, they're trying to get that all Ireland, that elusive all Ireland. Like Kenny are able to do it because they've just got a stream load of people just coming in, coming in, yeah. coming in. You get rid of this fella, he's not he's not performing. He's going way back to get rid of Charlie Carter. They all started back there, where where players are, are indispensable, and that's it. Like yeah, look, it's, and it's different styles, and you're right about about. Derek, he's very much hand around the shoulder. And we saw him even when they lost that f- famous photo of him and Dan yeah, leaning yeah. on Dan's shoulder. You yeah. wouldn't see uh, Brian Cody leaning on Derek Link's shoulder <laughs> there in 2016 no. with a tear in his eye. So it is a very different styles. Um, but sorry, go, we, we, we were talking Galway and Wexford. Wexford. I think it'll be a good game. I still think Galway will have five points too much from at least. Yeah. Uh, it's just the quality. They can score from everywhere. Not anywhere, everywhere. And I think Wexford still... While they have six probably good forwards, they're still a little bit off. In, in, interestingly enough, it was brilliant, I think, was it weekend just gone? We saw Liam Og McGovern coming back on. Yeah. yeah. Had been too crucy, it's the poor lad. Yeah. And it's his 
big time coming back. He actually moved into my bedroom in Dublin when I moved to to <laughs> in the house. That was an, I was in. an inside. Yeah. And he's yeah, uh, <laughs> he's very much a Mulhall type character. Actually, he's very out there and hippie. You'd have the long hair untidy. out the back, a bit untidy. Loose. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was great to see him back because he's a pacey player as well yeah. in Corner Ford. He's probably one of Wexford's best forwards before he got the double injury. Yeah, well, look, yeah, we I have think a, yeah, I think Wexford will like they will put it up to to uh, Galway down there. Um, but I, I think I'd agree with John there and that as well. I don't know. It's going to be hard to see where they're going to get get all their scores coming from. I just think, as John alluded as well earlier on, like Galway are just a, a runaway train at the moment. Like, and I'd say they probably will have about six or seven points to spare. Yeah, I'm going to go. For, I'm going to go for Wexford win. I'm going to go I'm gonna tip something else here. I'm going to go Jarlock Nan style. Go Jarlock Nan style. <laughs> tip are finished. We've seen the end of this tip team. <laughs> so anyway, look, I'm I'm looking forward to the weekend. It's going to be another like we have three live hurling games over the weekend which is fantastic coverage again like John Aluta a couple of weeks it's a, it's a special time in hurling that we're getting all these we never before have three live games on a weekend for hurling so it's fantastic and um, looking forward to seeing what unfolds and we'll touch base on them next week now coming up next is like we spoke the Sydney Irish Festival which is a nice segue Uncle Kenny Galway they are definitely playing again this year in November in Sydney and like I said I was lucky enough to sit down with Paul Sargent who is the main man behind bringing this game to um, to Sydney in November. So coming up next, we'll, we'll just have a listen to the, that chat with him. Travelling in a fire.com combi On a hippie trailhead full of zombies I met a strange lady, she made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast she said, do you come from a land down under? A women go and men wonder. Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? You better run, you better take cover. I'm delighted to be joined here this afternoon by Paul Sargent from the Magnar Sydney Irish Festival. Thanks for coming along, Paul. Oh, you're more than welcome. Or for having me, actually, rather. I'm in the, the headquarters here of the <laughs> of the Sydney Irish Festival, which is in Melbourne at the moment. Yes, here we are. And uh, it's where all of the uh, the planning is taking place. And, uh, you know, it's a, an event that we are really, really looking forward to. Yeah, and it's very exciting, I suppose, for people in Australia and for people listening back home. It's a, an Irish festival occurring on Saturday 10th and Sunday 11th of November of this year. And I suppose the big draw card from a this is a GEA podcast is we have a hurling match on the Sunday between Kilkenny and Galway. How did all this come about, Paul? Yeah, look, we um, we set up um, a business called PSE, which is an events business, um, in 2016. And the events business focuses on bringing niche events into into Australia. And there's nothing more niche than hurling. Um, and in, in May of 2016... Um, I was at a um, at a summit of, of venues where my great friend Peter McKenna uh, from Croke Park was uh, was at the same um, the same the same summit, and um, we 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 celebrated because Peter and, and Croke Park won an award that night, uh, an environmental award, and uh, and I know how passionate Peter is and and the venue staff are there about about the venue, not just about the environment, and um, we were talking that night in a um, having a having a beer in a bar in Madrid of all places an Irish bar in of Madrid of course um, talking about what I was doing I've known Peter since my days at uh, days at Wembley many uh, many moons ago and um, talking about niche events he said well have you ever thought of bringing um, 
hurling into Australia. And I said, well, there's a start, yeah. And, and the, the discussions kind of went on from there as to, um, you know, what about it? Would it work? Uh, there's the, the 11 aside game that had just recently, at that time, been played in Boston. Boston, yeah. Uh, which was a tremendous success. And, and the reason for the hybrid game, of course, was that fields aren't big enough to uh, to accommodate a full-size hurling field, whereas in Australia, we don't we don't suffer from that. We've got these huge great ovals that can accommodate a uh, hurling stroke Gaelic football field. So we started to progress those discussions, and as we went through, we we, we had discussions, or we chatted about, rather than discussions, chatted about do we go with Gaelic football or hurling, but I think from a from a, as a spectacle, uh, I don't want to offend the, the Gaelic football followers. Go for it. <laughs> but as a spectacle, I think in the Australian market, hurling really works. And um, so we, we, we pursued those discussions, started to get on the, the full-blown game of playing 15 aside, you know, full, full-size hurling field, we can accommodate that. And that's how we kicked off. Yeah, I think I think it's, it is interesting the uniqueness to Australia of having the size of the oval because I know the, for the international rules series they're looking at having a game potentially in America, but they yeah. can't. They're looking to find it hard to make it happen because of the size of the fields over in America, similar constraints. Yeah. So I think that was a, it's a brilliant opportunity for Australia. But you're right about the spectacle of hurling. I think from colleagues I work with here in Australia or friends who are Australian, anytime you talk about hurling, you show them on YouTube or come out to game out in Keysborough here in Melbourne they're fascinated by yeah. it look I, I, I was lucky enough to be up for the um, for the 2016 All-Ireland yeah. final I was um, there what, what a game yeah. um, and that was my, my first I'd seen it on, on, on YouTube and, and TV before but to go to a live game really lucky to be a, it, it, to be a, an All-Ireland final and for it to be a classic game yeah. and um, it was a, a the atmosphere the speed of the game yeah, the physicality, all of the right ingredients for a for a sport. Having been in this 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 industry for yeah longer than you care to remember, nearly nearly forty years, um, you soon get a feel for what what can work and what what might struggle. And and hurling will certainly work. And so obviously you've got Gallo were signed up as the Ireland champions, kind of locked in early on who was going to be the Ireland champions who get to come out and then it was who would won the league this year gets to come out and that's now being confirmed as Kilkenny yep. which I was very happy with being a Kilkenny man <laughs> getting to see that the boys come out in a few months time is going to be fantastic but they're actually playing a, a competitive game Paul and that's the uniqueness of this, this yeah look it's, it is and it's really important one of the early uh, as we had our early discussions was to get across the message that actually it, it is a competitive game uh, it's not an exhibition game uh, I'm not sure how you can have an exhibition game in Hurley, having watched it, mind. Uh, <laughs> and certainly understanding more than I, I used to about the rivalry between Kilkenny and Galway. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a full-blown game, uh, and the teams are playing for a, a piece of silverware, uh, the, uh, the Wild Geese Trophy, um, which you know, we, we, uh, and certainly the, uh, the, the guys at the GAA have done a, quite a bit of research into what are we going to call the trophy. You can call it the XYZ Trophy, but it's got to have some real meaning to it. Um, and we, uh, we we did our research, worked collectively as a team um, with the GAA and um, hit on the name the Wild Geese Trophy. Yeah, and that also have some history about some a penal colony in Western Australia and it was six Irish people who escaped from that penal colony in Western Australia and they aired the wild geese effectively. So it, Absolutely, it, it, yeah, and, and, and it'll be 150 years. Uh, it was 1858 that they escaped from the, the colony in, um, in, in Western Australia, out in Fremantle. And um, so we, we created the name of the trophy, but then tracked down the sculptors. There's a sculpture of the wild geese in Rockhampton 
uh, where the uh, where the where the the, the six escapees left the shores for the Catalpa, and we um, we tracked down the sculptures of this monument, uh, and they're the guys making the Joan and Charlie Smith out in they're about forty fifty k's out of um, out of Perth, oh, uh, and they're they're the sculptors making the trophy. Yeah, I think I think that's a lovely angle to it as well, and and I know this is I suppose the first incarnation of of the tournament or of the of the game this this year. Is there ambitions in years to come that this will, will happen again, or potentially might grow? Yeah, look, there, there are. Uh, we have to um, we have to walk before we can run. Yeah, um, we're looking at a long term a long term arrangement for a biannual event, um, but that really will. Uh, we've got to let's see what uh, what year one goes like. Yeah, and uh, we we are um, yeah we've set our stall out. Uh, we've got two great teams. I think it's the first time the winner of the All Ireland has played against the winner of the National League. The first time that that's happened, and, and I think as far as we're aware, it's the first time hurling at the elite level uh, has been played outside of Ireland in a competitive game at a 15-side yeah, level yeah. as well. So, so yeah. it's it's got some uh, you know, a few firsts around it. Yeah. Um, and but we are yeah we're very focused on making sure we deliver something that's got wow factor. Yeah, um, it, and it's, you know, it's got one factor. It's affordable. You know, it's value for money, and people want to come back. Yeah, and, and obviously, Kilkenny and Galway actually just played at the weekend, just gone by in the in the championship back at home. Galway got one up on Kilkenny last weekend, and I think they're probably going to feature against each other later on in the year. So by the time it comes around November, those players will have matched up against each other a number of times, which will be very interesting to see yeah, how, it, how it gets played out down under. Yeah, I, I think they, uh, there's probably going to be a few scores to settle, yeah. um, <laughs> but it will be, um, I think, yeah, as I say, from, from talking to people like yourselves, our, our, our colleagues at the GA, the history, history and rivalry between the two teams uh, is there for all to see. And, um, you know, I don't think it's going to make any difference whether they play in, in Ireland or in uh, in Australia, yeah. the, the rivalry is still going to be there. Definitely, no, I can vouch for that. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it as a as a Kilkenny man, as I know a lot of Galway people that we have here with us in in Melbourne and indeed Australia. Um, I suppose it, that's one part of the festival is is the game on the Sunday. I suppose it might be the kind of crescendo, but on the Saturday we do have the music as well. So we have Damien Dempsey coming out, Mary Black, Mary Black, Luna Sat, and Saint Sister. That's quite a great lineup to get them all on the one stage in in Sydney. Yeah, look, it was a, a key part when we started the early discussions uh, around the around the game. Um, yeah, there is so much history and heritage between Australia and Ireland. Yeah, it would have been remiss of us not to have thought about the the music, the entertainment, the comedy, uh, the Irish dance, um, the food, the drink. There's so much to wrap around the game rather than just one game. So we thought, yeah, let's make a festival of it. Um, and start to look at the components of all, all of those components to bring them together to celebrate all things that are um, Irish-Australian. And how did Sydney get chosen as, as the venue? Obviously, I suppose it is one of the older settlements in terms of Irish population, but we do have a big population in Melbourne and in Perth as well. Yeah, we, we, we went through an assessment process, uh, basically, and looked at all the, uh, the major cities and venues in Australia. Uh, we had a, a scoring mechanism that we, we applied and um, had a short list of, uh, of three in the end between um, Adelaide, Melbourne and, and Sydney. Um, <clears throat> a couple of those key criteria for us were the venues had to have a field size, a field capable of holding a, um, a, a, a hurling field, which they all do. Um, we needed the, um, the stadium to have the, the, to be able to facilitate the festival immediately outside the stadium um, 
and that was also important to us. And then we took a lot of, th- had a, a discussion and, and gave a lot of thought to capacity. Um, and yeah, places like Etihad, Adelaide Oval, fantastic, you know, 55,000 people. Um, Spotless is 25,000 people. Yeah, for the first time, first time around, yeah, what we want to do is, is create atmosphere. And I think it's far easier to create atmosphere in a venue at 25,000, which is still an, a fantastic achievement if we get anywhere near 25,000, which I hope we will. Um, but when I'd rather have 20,000 in a 25,000-seat venue and create a great atmosphere than 30,000 in a 50,000-seat stadium. Yeah. Um, and it is all about atmosphere and, and bringing everyone together. Yeah, I think that's very important. Having been at some of the international rule games in Australia over the years, I've been in the Etihad, which holds 50,000, like you said, but 10,000 people there. And it's quite an empty experience. And I've been to Spotless for some of the, the Greater Western Sydney Giants home games, and it's a beautiful stadium. Yeah. It's a beautiful stadium, and you're right in on top of the pitch as well as a spectator. So I think that will suit the game of hurling as well, and indeed the, the music component. Yeah, look, I, I think the um, I think the the stadium will suit, you say, suit the game. Uh, they're great people to work with. Um, the Sydney Showgrounds people are experienced. They know what they're doing. Um, yeah, the fact that we can accommodate the the music, um, and you say the, the, the and the festival component the day before is a uh, is a huge plus point. It's exactly what we were looking for. Um, and yeah, we've got and we've also got a. Um, uh, an element there that we are looking to break a Guinness World Record as well. So, um, yeah, by creating the world's largest Irish stew. Um, so we are uh, uh, one of our team members is working hard on that at the moment. Yeah, I can imagine that'll, that'll be taking up a lot of, our, of their time. And I think that's a big sell for for me. Obviously, I'm a, an Irish person living in Australia. I have a young family. It's a festival I can't wait to get up to because I think it does have that family element to it. I know there's going to be lots of activities for kids around games and showing them how to play the sports of of Gaelic football and hurling on the day. Um, but I think, I suppose a big question for me is, obviously we've got a big Irish expat community in Australia, is what's the sell to the Australians? Because I suppose that's a big demographic that you want to get in the door on, on that weekend. Yeah, look, I think, I think the two parts there, yes, it's a family event, and that's really important for people to recognise it's a family event. We'll be announcing what our, uh, our family components of the, of the festival are in, um, at the end of June, early July. And, uh, and if people have got young families, they're going to be very excited, let me tell you. Um, and, but the same with the coaching clinics, yeah, and, and letting people celebrate all things that are our island um, here. Um, and that's for the expat community. Now, for the, uh, for the Australian community, I think we all know that live here how much they love their sport. Uh, and certainly, I think all sports in Australia are contact sports. Uh, there aren't many that aren't. And um, we, we know that Australians love the sport, they love their contact sports, and they love to have... Uh, a good time and enjoy themselves when they go to an event uh, so I think that is some of the appeal to the local Australian market um, I think our, um, our, our the Irish expats are our sales our sales force yeah they are our marketeers effectively to go out and share and, and encourage people to come along and, and experience you know not just the game but the, the whole weekend yeah, I think I think that's very important. I've already been spoken to the, my colleagues and friends, Australians, to get up to Sydney for that weekend. Like, I think it's going to be a really special weekend. But I know 
everyone would like to be there but I understand that it is going to be broadcast on TV as well is that correct? Um, it's, it will be we haven't made those announcements yet okay. but it, it, will be, it will be broadcast on TV um, in Ireland yep. uh, it will be broadcast here but certainly in Ireland and uh, once we've uh, once we've finalised those details, we're making those announcements. Beautiful. And where do we go just to find out more information about tickets and dates and that type of stuff? Where should we go to check out? Yep, about? you can you can visit the um, the events website, um, and you can go to Ticketmaster uh, for the tickets. And the website is sydneyirishfestival.com, I believe. It is sydneyirishfestival.com. Beautiful, beautiful. That's great. Look, really appreciate that, Paul. We're really excited about it here. In the, in the Irish community here in Australia but we do actually have a lot of listeners back in Ireland as well I know there's a lot of interest especially in, in the two hurling teams that are coming out so we're looking forward to being up there in November and, and see how it all goes Yeah look we are uh, as I say we can't wait for it to happen uh, I know it's over five months away yet but that's not that's not long and uh, we are encouraging people obviously want to buy the tickets get in, get in sooner rather than later I'd like to think we've made it affordable over the uh, over the two days um, I think now a two day ticket is about a hundred and nine dollars uh, for two days and if you're looking at the the quality of the acts and the whole kind of festival activity on the on the saturday yeah and two great teams on the sunday yeah we're going to finish off with a sing song after the game outside um for, for an hour or so afterwards so uh, to, just to wrap things up it's just going to be a tremendous weekend brilliant that's great paul thanks very much for having a chat with us and we might talk to you again closer to the day thank you in one single moment your whole life can turn round stand there for a minute staring straight into the ground things were just going through my head you know and because like you know i don't want to leave the people of Warford down you know because they're my life you know people of Warford are my life you know and i i, I love I, lo- I love my county you know we love john Dry your eyes mate i know it's hard to take but her mind has been made up there's plenty more fish in the sea Look, guys, I know you couldn't make it along to talk to Paul during the week, but from the sounds of that, we're in for, in for a great weekend in November. Yeah, it seems like you've got a really experienced guy in terms of PR and in stadium management and in all this kind of sporting events, organising it. He's, we've had a look at his background there on the laptop. He's obviously, was he... Form, direct, former di- CEO of Millennium Stadium in Wales, yeah. CEO of Etihad Stadium here in Melbourne, and like I think he was a director of marketing, marketing at, for Wembley. At, for Wembley. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He's bringing uh, like the Aussies got like the, if there was two bloody bulls fighting it out in the middle of the MCG, the Aussies would send thirty thousand in to watch. Like they are a great nation to go and watch sport. They just love it. So I think he he was the most interesting point was I was thinking why don't they bring it to Melbourne or why don't they have in the SCG? But he actually probably has it spot on. Spot the stadium twenty five thousand, build an atmosphere around it as opposed to as you said. 20,000 in Etihad and you don't know whether you're coming or going because there's no atmosphere in it at all I reckon like what did they get at the international rules someone got 16 17,000 yeah and they got over 30,000 in part like so I reckon they'll they'll, they'll get close to capacity then and spot the stadium for a hurling game Irish festival it'll be well marketed it'll be well supported and yeah I think it'll be I think that's, yeah, and I, th- I think th- I think that's the thing that's the key to it really because I think the marketing should be spot on in this one and I think Rob's very critical of the GA and their marketing of their, of their actual games and I know they're doing it over in Boston you just said there in the interview but it's really a, a really really good chance for you know for for to get this game on the map over here like and, and get the Aussies in on it and you know that's going to be the main focus and it's really exciting I, I can't wait for it to go up and see it it's going to be fantastic atmosphere up there it's going to be an absolute humdinger of a weekend yeah and I think the fact that 
they're really trying to broaden it out to get the Australians in the door. Like, yeah. that's the big thing. Like, we know the Irish expats will travel. Sydney will go up. People in Melbourne will go up. So I'm really hoping, I've talked to a couple of friends today in work, and they've, I've signed them up already to come yeah. up for the weekend. And I think the music component on the Saturday night will be will be great as well. That is, is a great lineup. And I think how lucky are we that, being an Irish person living away in Australia, that there's an Irish festival to this extent where... Big name artists coming out and two of the best hurling teams in the last yeah. couple of years coming out as well. And it is a competitive game and I think that was a point that Paul was really emphasising that it's not a challenge match, it's not an exhibition match, it's a fully sanctioned game by the GA for a trophy. You'll say, all right, fair enough, it's in November, but I think, and it's something that's going to be played on a biannual basis, all going well with room to expand. Like being an Irish person in Australia is very special, obviously will, I'm delighted that the Kenya come. You know, I think like lads I, coming out here for you know a free trip out. Uh, even he, like he, look, even if they it, have a couple of points night before, they still they still, yeah. still wear into each other. Galway Definitely. and Kilkenny, and, and we saw those matches in Boston. Look yeah. at those matches that have been in Boston and the fights. Be we've had after a few points, yeah. like you know, you, <laughs> you ever see Shamey Cremon below on a Sunday Gaelic <laughs> <laughs> Park? <laughs> Poor old Shamey. No, but, but look, I, I I do think it's a huge opportunity to sell the game of hurling over overseas and. You might say, oh, look, why do you want to sell it? But, like, there is interest here. And we have a an, an academy here in Melbourne for young children. Sean, I know your young fella has been out on a Sunday morning. There's over 60 kids going out on a Sunday in Melbourne. It's happening in Sydney. It's happening in part. Wouldn't it be amazing to get some Australian-born who are not associated with Ireland out playing the game of mm. hurling? You know what I mean? And I was so delighted that it is a game of hurling that they've picked and not a game of Gaelic football. One thing we, we meant to mention a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, and just in line with what you're saying, there's a kid from Adelaide. Yes. who was number 17 on the Kilkenny Kenny minor Pan. team yeah yeah. so he was uh, his, fa- his grandfather was from Ireland he was brought down to the academy in South Australia didn't really play hard and moved to Kilkenny when he was 9 yeah. and ended up on the Kilkenny under 17 team slash panel so that was our first experience of an Aussie and we've got our own experience in Jackson Johnson over here an Australian born an Australian born who's got good off the left good off the right he's got good hands he's got good yeah. pace like yeah. <laughs> people can't believe when he starts talking yeah. and I think I think that's something that we often do with hurling we're like oh look it's a game you kind of have to be playing for when you were a young lad you know we kind of put up a barrier with it where getting football anyone can play that game like, yeah. you know but I think I think we need to like put ourselves on the pedestal to an extent to say oh you wouldn't be able to yeah I think that's you know we kind of make it a bit exclusive for really like any game if you put time and dedication yeah, yeah. To it, you, you can master it yeah, and yeah. I'd love to see some Australian born non-Irish associated people get involved because yeah. like like we have Jackson involved with our club and to see like if you, like you said if you hadn't heard him speak like the level of the skill that he has yeah. for a guy who only started playing the game at 14 yeah. um, is phenomenal so look I'm very excited and pr- Really happy to say as well that the GEA will be up in Sydney for that weekend. We're going to be covering the whole weekend, and we're really looking forward to that. And we actually have been given uh, a weekend, two weekend passes to give away as a prize. We're working on a competition for that. I think Eagles will have something for us next week, so we'll be giving away two tickets. That is on in November. Um, Irish listeners are free to enter as well, but you won't be put up for travel and accommodation. <laughs> maybe you can stay with Giggles or Shawnee maybe for the weekend and hmm. we'll look after you. But um, yeah, it's probably more for our Australian listeners. But um, yeah, thanks very much to, to everyone at the, the Magna Sydney Irish Festival for, yeah. for making that happen and also for making the time to speak with us. And we'll probably have them on again closer to the time. When Michael, when we went with name drop here now, when, when we met Michael D there a couple of months ago, I remember... He, he gave the speech like I actually met him twice in a week <laughs> oh yeah I met him in Portuguese there was 80,000 Irish born 
citizens in Australia. Something like 16,000 in Melbourne, 34,000 or something in Sydney, and then you go around the cities. So there's a huge, like 80,000, they've got 25,000 seats. Like I know everyone won't travel to, to the spot the stadium, but you get the Aussies. It'll just generate such a kind of pride in being Irish in Australia piece and you see it every year there's more and more people coming some people go home but you always still have the Irish community out here yeah yeah no it's something to really look forward to and as Paul said yeah look yeah it is five months away but that's going to come in on us very quick so um, really looking forward to, to Kilkenny and Galway especially and hopefully we can tie down a couple of interviews I'm thinking kind of a one-on-one with Brian Cody under the Sydney Harbour Bridge <laughs> um, <laughs> Face him face to face, and we'll get we we'll get some answers out of him. So, uh, yeah, it's going. Go- it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> might get a tear out of him, Sean. Yeah. Um, no, it's we're really, really really looking forward to it. So, we, we'll see how that all plays out in the next few months. So, I think that's it for today, lads. Covered a lot there. Giggles Corner, Munster, Leinster, and Kilkenny Galway down under. Giggles uh, is back. Giggles is back. Back with a bang. Hashtag. Hashtag Giggles is back. <laughs> no trending. <laughs> so look, thanks very much for having us this evening here in your house, Shawnee. No worries, Shani. lads. Thanks, along for, thanks for coming along, Giggles. Thanks for having me, Liam. Yeah, and this week's episode is brought to you in association with O'Neill's International Sportswear, the choice of champions. Please visit O'Neill's.com for all the latest offers. And we'll be back with you again next week. Thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs>